hey, we have a very, very different kind of uh, message today. We had uh, planned this series months ago, and today we're going to do uh, Noble Plans, which I'm going to actually do next week, uh, because, you know, as you go along in a, in a series like this and, and with the church, you're always trying to be sensitive to what you sense God is having you do and where the Lord is leading. And as we had done something with our leaders a couple weeks ago. Um, we were reflecting back on the, on the two nights that we had with our leaders and what we talked with them about, and it was so meaningful, and it was such a, a wonderful evening that we thought we'd do something similar in a modified form with you here today. And so, you know, we're getting down to really the, the end here of our, our, our Journey of Grace campaign, and so I'll be talking more about that in a few minutes here. But um, I think you're going to like today where we're going. I've entitled this The Stories of Grace, The Stories of Grace. So uh, Cactus Campus, welcome, and Venue, welcome. And all of you, let's bow together right now, and let's ask God's blessing upon our time. Father, we thank you for uh, the fact that when Jesus was on this earth, he told lots of stories. We call them parables. He told us lots of stories about how you can enter into a human life and bring life change on a spiritual and a relational and even a physical level. And that, Lord, uh, through those stories, we've come to know you and love you. And, and so, Lord, all of us have stories then as a result of this. We want to talk about some of those today. And Lord, I pray that as we, uh, as we go along in this journey of grace that we're on, that God, you might help us to get it. You might help us understand how profound and moving and life-changing your grace really is. So bless us in this time, we pray now. In Christ's name, amen. So as we all know, our church has been embarking over the last month on a very significant journey, a journey that we've called Compelled by Grace, a journey that hopefully will help take our church spiritually and relationally to the next level. Like we prayed about today, a level of out revival, outreach, growth, and discipleship that will truly allow us to have more profound and sustained impact as a church. And as you know, because you've probably read your journey guides or you've been listening over the last couple of months, we've set some very ambitious goals when it comes to our plan based on our vision. So one of our goals is that we want to redesign our campus so that we might fully maximize our campus and create more and better space. We also want to start three or four additional multi-site campuses so that we might bring the DNA of Scottsdale Bible Church to other parts of the valley like we've done with our Cactus Campus. But we also want to link arms with Phoenix Seminary and train up to 10 pastors to do church planting so that we might see more churches here in the valley and in the world and even across our nation. And then lastly, we're going to be expanding our international ministries, now moving deeper and in more meaningful ways into the Middle East and Western Europe. And though we need a significant amount of tangible resources to make all of this happen, like about $23.5 million, please know when we've been trying to communicate this over the last few months, our focus and motivation for all of what we're doing here is simply modeling ourselves after Jesus. A focus and motivation as we've seen in this series that Jesus taught us, and that is that life change happens one story, one life at a time. And all compelled by grace is, is to try to create more space and more opportunity so that we can see more life change happen as God uses us. That's what this series has been about. That's what this whole campaign is about. That's what we mean by compelled by grace. And so I love the passage that I preached on a few weeks ago. I've been kind of stuck on it over the last few weeks. So let me remind you of it. It's Matthew 9, verse 35. And it sums up very neatly what the ministry of Jesus was about when he was on this earth and hence what our ministry here at Scottsdale Bible Church needs to be about. So look up here on the screen, Cactus Venue, look up on your screen and let me remind you what the core of Christian ministry is all about as we look to Jesus. Matthew 9 verse 35. It says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. So dial into three words there and you'll get it. Those are the three words, teaching, proclaiming, and healing. That's what Jesus did. 
for three years when he was on this earth as he modeled for us what it means to be the church, what it means to be people who pour into others and help them connect with God. It comes through teaching, proclaiming, and healing. Or to use maybe some of the words that you and I use today, it comes through evangelism, growth, and healing. And as I've been reflecting on Scottsdale Bible Church over the last few months, what has hit me is that when you think about it, these three areas comprise the bulk of life change that we see happen in and through our church. In other words, I regularly see and hear firsthand numerous redemption stories, numerous healing stories, and then numerous growth stories. All about life change, life change, and each of them happening one life at a time. And so let's break this down this morning into some bite-sized chunks. I think this will be helpful for us. First, let's begin by talking about redemption and even some redemption stories. Look at Matthew 9, verse 35 again. It says that Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Now, you know what's interesting about that word gospel? Christians use that word all the time, the word gospel. And yet, I don't think the average person in culture could give a cogent definition of what the word gospel means. We got gospel, gospel choirs and things like that, but I, I don't think they know what the word means. So let me share with you what the word gospel means. It, in its most rudimentary form, it literally means the good news. It comes from the Greek word euangelion, where we get the English word evangelism from. And it's interesting, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, this word gospel, euangelion, took on a pregnant meaning to simply refer to, refer to the death and the ministry, the life of Jesus Christ. The fact that he came and died on a cross for our sins so that we might be forgiven and brought to God. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is the good news of Jesus Christ, the fact that it is through him that one can come into an eternal relationship with Almighty God. And so it's telling us here that Jesus went around Palestine helping people find God, proclaiming the gospel, in that case himself, to those around him. And that's what you and I are to now do. We are now to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, which simply means we are to help people find Jesus in an eternal, salvific, redemptive, and life-giving way. And so you have heard me say that the reason that we must create more and better space here at Scottsdale Bible Church through our campus redesign and multi-sites and church planting is because the need is so incredibly great out there. Amen? The need is just great. Now, some of you have heard me say that according to our best guess, just in Scottsdale alone, about 87% of people don't go to church on a regular basis. But we're pretty solid uh, on that number. But we have figured out that number because we've taken the number of churches that exist in Scottsdale, and then we've looked at how many people go to those churches and then divided by the number of people that are in Scottsdale. And it comes out to about only 13% of people go to church on a regular basis here in Scottsdale. And that's significant to us because we're not saying that going to church makes you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. But the reality is, is that most people that have found a life-giving relationship with Christ will eventually end up in some type of faith community. And the mere fact that people haven't here in Scottsdale means that we got our work cut out for us. I don't know how well this will translate into our, our cactus and, and uh, venue environments right now, but let's see if we can do this. I want to turn the lights down in the sanctuary here today. So let's turn the lights way down in the sanctuary. And, and as the lights are down in the sanctuary here, I want you to pretend that this sanctuary floor that's now in darkness is the city of Scottsdale. So, so this whole inner room here is the complete city of Scottsdale, and that is now you're sitting in darkness, that's where a lot of people in Scottsdale are. They might have a nice country club membership, they might have a good job, they might have some kids that have turned out semi-okay, all that stuff. But the reality is, is that spiritually speaking, they're sitting in darkness. 
Now, if it is true that only 13% of people in Scottsdale go to church, then here is what that would look like. Let's shine the light over here. This section over here are the people in all of the sanctuary. This comprises all the people that go to church in the city of Scottsdale. The rest of you are sitting in darkness. That's kind of a powerful visual, isn't it? I mean, it's just a half of one little section here that's lit. That's who goes to church in Scottsdale. And all the rest, you can turn up lights now, all the rest are counting on you and me to proclaim the gospel to them so that they might find God. Why are we doing Compelled by Grace? Because we simply want to hear and see more redemption stories. About a few years ago, uh, the head of, a guy who was on the board, uh, head of the board for the YMCA here in Scottsdale approached me and asked me if I'd have lunch with him. He goes to our church here, and so I said, sure, and as we were having lunch, he shared with me, he said, you know, I'm, a, I'm on the, the YMCA board here in Scottsdale, and part of my goal is to try to bring the C back into the YMCA. You guys remember the C stands for Christian. So the Young Men's Christian Association has kind of veered from that over the years. And so he said, I'd like to see us get a lot more Christian. And I was wondering if Scottsdale Bible could help us. And he said, one of the ways that we could help is maybe if you join the board, Jamie, as, you know, uh, with, with, with the Y. And I said, you know, gosh, I'm on the board of St. Mary's Food Bank. I'm on Phoenix Seminary Board. I got my own board here. I said, I am really bored. So I said, I... <laughs> The last thing I need is another board. I said, but you know, we have an executive pastor here at our church, Tom Sharder, who does nothing outside of this church. <laughs> and I said, I think Sharder would be a perfect candidate for the board of the YMCA. And so Tom Sharder joined the board of the YMCA as Scottsdale Bible representative there. And as Tom joined this board, he started befriending the director over there, a guy by the name of Jim. And through Tom, I think, and, and, and Jim's fiance, Jim started coming to Scottsdale Bible Church. He started visiting here. And it's an amazing story of what happened next. So why don't you look up here on the screen, Cactus and Venue, look up here on the screen, and let's have Jim finish this story for us. I grew up uh, Lutheran in a small town in Colorado where um, we had 35 members and we'd come in and sing out of a hymnal. I first came to Scottsdale Bible through my fiance, Kara. I walked in, it was um, rock music and drum sets and I was, it caught me off guard. But we started coming and I eventually really got used to it and enjoyed it from a different perspective. And so it was September 16th. I was at home, my fiance, uh, she wasn't gonna go to church that day. And it was probably the first time I went to church by myself without her actually. And I'll never forget, I come in and after each passage, I feel like, wow, that, that's, that's speaking to me. That's really touching what I'm, how I'm feeling right now. And towards the end of it, he said, well, this is a wonderful time because I only do this, I think, twice or three times a year. I'm going to invite people down to have a special prayer. And he said, there's two criteria for it. He said, one, you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord for the first time tonight. And I thought to myself, well, that doesn't necessarily apply to me because I already know about Jesus and I believe in Jesus and I believe in God. So I guess that kind of strikes me from that one. There's a second group, however, of those of you who are ready to come down and recommit your lives to Christ. It's just to renew, to re-up your commitment to Jesus only. And when he said that, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I said, I need to go down there and reaffirm my relationship with Christ. And as he said that, one lady started walking down and I looked around and no one else was. I said, well, she's going down, I'm going down too. And so I followed her down and then realized that she was ushered. <laughs> so I will take claim that I was the first person down here. And as he was praying, I kept my head down. A couple tears streamed from my eyes and I felt a connection that I had never felt before. In all my upbringing and all my study, and I had never felt this, this come into me the way it did. When Jamie was done, the nice lady that I followed down looked at me and said, Sir, you can continue praying if you want. And I was like, no, that's, that's enough for me today. Thank you. And um, as everybody's getting up, I feel this hand grab my shoulder. 
and I don't know many people at Scottsdale Bible, and it was Tom Sharda. And he put his hand around me, turned me around, he said, I knew what he was gonna ask. And when I saw you sitting over there by yourself, I prayed to God that you would get up and go down there. And as he's talking about, to me about this, once again, tears are welling up in my eyes, and it was such a powerful moment for me. And I documented the day in my Bible. Today is a day that you're reconnecting with Christ. Looking into the future, so many doors have been opened because of this in my life. I'm getting married on April 13th, which I'm overly excited about. It has helped me in my work. We're focusing on putting the C, which stands for Christian, back into the YMCA. I've told my sister she should start watching the streaming video online of what we talked about at Scottsdale Bible and how hopefully that can impact her and now having that relationship with him. I know he's there for me. I know he's there to help me out. No matter how big or small the problem is, he's there and he will always have my back. My name is Jim Grosso and this is my story. Think, think of all the redemptive dominoes that fall because of a story like that. I, I mean, we're going to help put the C back in the YMCA. Why? Because we help the director reestablish his Christian faith. He's now sharing Christ with his sister. You all know what this is like when you help connect people with God, either for the very first time or even if they forgot their salvation, once again, God, spiritual sparks tend to fly and God is on the move. Uh, my favorite story of redemption actually happened here four years ago, just this past month. I'd only been here a year, and I was doing, again, one of those altar call things. And there was actually a couple that was in the audience that day that is, has an amazing background. Uh, just five years ago, a year before uh, they visited here at Scott's Bible, they didn't want anything to do with church or church people. They were not believers. They knew it. And they didn't very much like Christians. Th their names were Steve and Ramona. And Christians bothered them. They saw them as pushy and opinionated. I don't know why, but they did. And it was just kind of a problem for them. But Ramona's boss at work was a believer and a tender of Scottsdale Bible Church, and it was a really savvy guy. He had a tender but clear witness, and Ramona really respected him. And he could tell that Ramona was thirsty on a spiritual level, so he said, you should visit my church. Now, this is where the story, I think, becomes hilarious. The first Sunday that Ramona and Steve visited, she tells a story that the pastor was yelling from the pulpit. And it was a huge turnoff to her. She's like, what is wrong with this guy? And I thought, well, there must have been a visiting speaker. No, it was me. <laughs> and I guess I was yelling that day or something. And she said it was just, I was like, I don't want to hear this guy yell. And, you know, what's that about? I mean, so, you know, imagine inviting somebody to church and they have a bad experience, cringe, you know, and that's what happened that day. So Ramona and Steve said they didn't want to go to that Scottsdale Bible Church. And about two months went by. And, uh, and, and Steve said, I really think we should go back to Scottsdale Bible. And Ramona said, I don't want to go to that church. The guy yells too much. Steve, who's a gentle guy, said, I think we should go visit. So four years ago, just this last February, they came again, second visit to Scottsdale Bible Church. And they're listening to this guy who tends to yell too much. And at the end of that, talk about a Holy Spirit moment. I invite people forward who are ready to receive Christ. And, and it's amazing. Ramona leans over to Steve, and she says, I think I'm ready to receive Christ. And he says, I, I don't know if I am. And she said, I'm going forward. So she gets up. She comes down here to receive Christ. She's praying and crying out to God. And all of a sudden, her husband Steve comes right behind her and he says, I'm ready as well. And both of them received Christ for the very first time here, February, four years ago. And it's been amazing to see them grow. I mean, talk about a success story. Talk about a redemption story. They've both gone through leadership training here, Steve in our, in our Timothy program, Ramona in our wild. They both serve like crazy here. And Ramona is now on staff in our women's ministry. And I see her every day here at this church, and I smile every time I see her. And I fact, sometimes I want to see her and say, how you doing there, Ramona? And, <laughs> but I don't, because they don't like it when I yell around here. 
But you see, that's a God thing. One of the reasons I love that story is because, as you guys know, it's not about me. Amen? Say amen to that. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about this place. It's about God and God doing his work in people's lives. And I love it when I hear stories of God calling people to himself in spite of us, God doing that. And you see, that's what God does in this church. And it's not just through altar calls, just so you know. I had a couple share with me the other day that they were sharing Christ with their personal trainers, only in Scottsdale, their personal trainers <laughs> out, out in the parking lot of the gym, and they led this, this personal trainer and his girlfriend to the Lord right there in the parking lot. Uh, we see men accept Christ at our men's retreats and at our teen retreats and during our VBX experiences. I mean, we constantly see people find their redemption here at Scottsdale Bible through Jesus Christ. So why compelled by grace? It's not complicated. We want to see more redemption stories as we create more space and more opportunity for that to happen. That's what's driving us. And now, just so you guys know, once we hear redemption stories, the whole thing just starts at that point, right? That's not the end. That's the beginning. And so notice with me next what Matthew 9.35 goes on to say about Jesus and his ministry in the Holy Land. It says that he went around healing every disease and affliction. In other words, he brought relief to people's dis-ease. That's what the word disease means, their dis-ease, fascinating. That word healing here in the original Greek language, this will not surprise some of you, is the Greek word therapuo, where we get the English word therapy from. And what's most interesting about this word is in its most rudimentary form, now get this, it means to be of service to another's distress. So it simply carries with the idea that you see somebody in need, whether physically, psychologically, emotionally, relationally, and then you draw close to them to try to be of service and help to their need, to their dis-ease. And that's exactly what Jesus did. In miraculous ways and even in everyday ways, he restored people physically. He cast out demons. He ministered to people's emotional and psychological hurts, all bringing healing to their messed up lives. And what you simply need to know is that God <clears throat> uses this church, your church, to bring the healing power of Jesus to lots of lives that have become filled with dis-ease here in the 21st century in Scottsdale or Phoenix. I, I got to tell you, I, I, another story that happened a few years back here, I told you this is the stories of grace that will probably stick with me for the rest of my life, happened when I first came here to Scottsdale Bible Church five years ago. A family made an appointment to see me, and they came in, and this was a husband and a wife and two boys who were just at the teen slash becoming young adult age. <clears throat> and when they came in, they, 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 I knew they had kind of an unusual story, and I could tell right away that the men in this family especially were, were very hurt and angry over some things. They, they sat there with their arms crossed, and I could see the hurt and anger on their face. And as mainly the wife talked, she told the story of how they hey, don't go to Scottsdale Bible Church. They've been attending another church, and they had gotten into some trouble. The wife did at this church, and she was facing some very serious jail time based on an indictment that had come down. And, and folks, if you had been there, you would have been as shocked as I was because this woman didn't look like jail material to me. I mean, you're looking at an upper-middle-class housewife. I just couldn't picture her in a jail setting. But when I heard the story, I understood what was going on. And then they shared this, and they, they said to me, they said, you know, and our church promised that they would have stuck with us through this, but as all this has unfolded, we have felt very abandoned and judged and shunned by our faith community and by our church. And as soon as they said that, I could tell how hurt that was for them. Again, especially the men, I could tell how hurt they were. So I said, well, we'll love you. We'll be here for you, and we'll journey with you. So we journeyed with them through the trial. We journeyed with them through the sentencing. She got five years in prison. And so at that point, Pat and I started going to the prison over on the west side about every quarter, and we'd spend time. Her name is Brenda. She said I could share a story. We spent time with Brenda there on a regular basis, praying with her, reading Scripture, giving some counsel. But the biggest healing we saw was in the lives of these men. 
Because you see, as these men, the father and the two sons, started to get involved in your community, started to get involved in this place, I, I can't tell you what I saw God do in five years. It was just amazing. One of the men, the father, got involved in a Bible study, and I saw him start to work through some of his resentment and anger and bitterness. I saw God soften him. I saw God give him hope. I, I saw God work in his heart and his mind and even bring some forgiveness to his life, which he so needed to get through this. Uh, the, the boys, uh, one of them met his wife here and got married and now has their first kid, the first grandkid for this family. And the other boy, the young one who was in high school at that time that I thought really, that this kid's gonna really carry this for a long time. He has now gotten so excited about church again that he's interning in our youth ministry and he wants to be a youth pastor. See, I think things like happen, yeah, you can clap at that. And, and I don't have time to tell you all the ins and outs of this, but let me just share it this way. One sermon, one Bible study, one relationship, one moment with God at a time, added up over five years, God used to heal this family. And I hear stories like that all the time in this place. That's just the tip of the iceberg. I hear real stories all the time of how God uses this place, you and me, to bring profound healing to people's hurt-filled lives. This is what you need to see, church. We are doing Jesus' work here, and he uses us to be healing agents to those with disease and affliction. And so what is our compelled by grace vision and plan? Simply more space and more opportunity so that we can see more healing occur in people's lives. Maybe this will help. When we did one of our events this past fall with a select group of people who we asked to give us feedback on Compelled by Grace before we unveiled it to all of you, I can remember one particular Saturday where this snowbird couple was there, and we wanted to get their feedback on this. And they heard the presentation for Compelled by Grace, including all the building, multi-sites, church planting. And within three hours, when he went home, he emailed me at my home. And he gave a very, very generous gift to Compelled by Grace, but more importantly, he said this. He said, very nice presentation, Jamie, and a good direction for the church. What a great track record Scottsdale Bible Church has had through the years, and now in a position with its strong base and leadership to continue to accomplish terrific things for the kingdom. And then he said this, there are so many opportunities available when the base is solid. That's good discernment, folks, and he's spot on. There are so many opportunities available when the base is solid. And here is one thing I know about our church. Our base is solid. Amen? That's what we celebrated for 50 years uh, last year. The fact that God has blessed this place. And yet, think about it. With great blessing comes great responsibility. Amen? It's true. Some people said to me, why are you guys being so aggressive and audacious with these goals for Compelled by Grace? And I'm like, duh, because God has blessed this place. And we are arguably the largest, most conservative, look at each other, the largest, most conservative church in Scottsdale, if not in this whole area. And I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of God and what he's done here. And I think he holds us to a higher standard I think God expects great things out of this church over the next 50 years, and that's what Compelled by Grace is planning for. And that's why it's so incredibly significant. So you got redemption, you got healing, and then there's a third and final component that Jesus modeled for us, and this is arguably where Scottsdale Bible excels the most, and that is that God uses us to help people grow. One last time, look at Matthew 9, 35. It says that Jesus went about all the towns and villages, and I quote, teaching in their synagogues. I know I've given you a few Greek words here today, but I studied this passage in the Greek this week. That's why I'm kind of into this. Uh, the word teaching here is the Greek word didaskon, where we get the English word didactic from. And didactic simply means to learn through teaching, to receive instruction on something that changes the way you think that then changes the way you feel, that then helps you to act and behave correctly. 
And that's what Jesus did. He went all throughout the Holy Land helping alter people's conceptions of God and the kingdom so that they would have a right conception of God, a right understanding of him. Then they'd feel it in their bones and they'd start to act on it. And that's what our church does. We have an amazing ministry where we're an incubator for growth and discipleship. We help Christians mature through relational discipleship, small groups, Bible studies, service, the teaching of the Word. And what you simply need to know is that we hear stories all the time, probably more stories than anything else, when it comes to how God has used this church to help people go the next step in their walk with Him and accelerate their Christian growth. One of the gals that's been around here for a long time in our church is Susan Miller. She's a, a dear, dear lady. Her husband was an elder here in this church. She, he eventually became the head of our marriage ministry. Uh, they have two grown children. She started an international ministry here in our church. And she even three years ago saw her husband go to be with the Lord for all of eternity here in and through Scottsdale Bible Church. And if you were to ask Susan, and we're going to let you her tell you her story here in just a second, what has God used Scottsdale Bible Church for the most in your life? She would hands down say growth. So let's let Susan tell you about it. Look up here on the screen. Bill and I moved here from Atlanta, Georgia. He was in the hotel business, and we moved 14 times. In fact, we moved 13 times, and the 14th was here. And that was very traumatic for me. Uh, coming from the South, you know, I could pronounce grits but couldn't pronounce guacamole, and I was used to oak trees, and then I went to saguaro cactus, and it was just a, a huge change for me, not only cultural, but also emotional. I had learned to pack my emotions and my feelings well in that suitcase for 13 moves. So this 14th move kind of completely unraveled me. But I would say that when we moved to Scottsdale, the pilgrimage of the depth of our growth began at Scottsdale Bible. Bill and I were very involved in marriage ministry. We had small groups in our home. We did a lot of marriage teaching. Bill was an elder and at one time chairman of the elders. I served in women's ministry and sang in the choir. And we, this church became our home and became our family and, and actually started uh, a ministry here. My, my ministry just moved, which is now international. And deals with women who are hurting and who have been uprooted through loss and change. So I understand what change is all about. Um, our circle of friends and family grew in this church and little did I know that the day would come when this church and all that I have poured out into it would begin then to minister to me in the depth of my despair. I lost Bill three years ago, and I went through, after 45 years of marriage, the biggest change I'll ever experience. But what am I going to do with that? Am I going to close down and say, I'm going to stay in this box, or am I going to embrace change? Am I going to welcome change? I feel like that God has me in process, and I think that's the beauty of our walk with Jesus, is that it is a process. And this church has left, and when I say this church, I don't mean the bricks and mortar of this church. The people of this church have left an impact of Christ on my life and on my children's life and on my husband's life. And I want to leave a legacy in the next young couple's life. I want their marriage to grow. I want them to grow spiritually. So those are the kinds of things that I see in the future and why I embrace Compelled by Grace. In fact, I've already started praying about my part in it, my part in the legacy. And God has um, said, okay, Susan, you're on a limited budget, uh, but you can do it. And I can hear Bill's voice saying, you go for it. And I am, I am all about wrapping my heart and my life around the vision at Scottsdale Bible. 
My name is Susan Miller, and this is my story. And more importantly, this is my church. About three weeks ago is when I first saw that video. I was in my home office and it was sent to me. And, uh, you know, after I uh, got done seeing it, I felt something in my spirit. And that was that I, I felt so incredibly protective of this place as a result of Susan's story and so many others. And God uses this church in, I think, somewhat unique ways to, to really be an incubator of growth and healing for people. And, you know, Daryl and I have joked over the years that one of our main goals is just not to mess it up, just to see God work more and more in this place. So what you need to know is that as we've worked hard on our Compelled by Grace plan, uh, it really is all about seeing God have more room. Franklin Graham always talks about leaving lots of God room in your life. We're seeing God have more room to save people and to heal people and grow people one life at a time and that's, what we're, that's why we're doing this. It's been our history. It's our present. And it's going to be our future. And yet, as we've said to you all along, and it's coming down to the wire now, guys, none of this can happen without you. Cactus, none of this can happen without you. Venue, none of this can happen without you. Without you serving, you praying, you reaching out, you loving, you relating, and as we've been talking about too, we don't talk about this very often at all at our church because God provides for us so graciously, but it is about you giving. You know, the history of our wonderful church, a 50-year-old history, is that every time we've run out of space, historically, every time we ran out of space for God to do His work here, the people of Scottsdale Bible Church have reached deep and got sacrificial and gave so that we can build another building, add some more worship seats, start another ministry, add another campus, plant another church, or do something special like we've done in Tanzania. And that's where we're at once again. We simply need to create more space. Look around you right now. I mean, in our 9.30 service, we are out of seats. At 11.15 during our high season, which is about five months, we're out of seats. We had to start a Cactus campus that has quickly been filling up. We've had to start a venue across campus that uh, is, is filling up. And the reality is is that we have a master plan now for this campus and for this city with multi-site and church planting that addresses it all. It addresses children, teens, special ministries, worship, multi-site, and church planting. And so we've taken a master plan approach to this. Rather than just doing one building at a time, we've said, let's do it right. Let's do it once and for all. And that's why this is a huge project. And it is. But I believe God's people are worthy of this. I believe that God's people are generous. And so what we've been doing over the last six months is engaging three groups of people here at Scottsdale Bible Church that brings me to all of you today. We engaged about 100 stakeholder families this last fall, just a whole different kinds of people that we used kind of to test pilot this and to see how into, our, into this our church would be. Then starting in November and into January, we engaged about 300 leadership families directly with this. And we've asked all of them to give to Compelled by Grace already or to make their pledge, a three-year pledge over and above their regular giving. And the chairman of our board is going to share with you in just a minute where we are in that process. But basically, you can do the math. We've engaged about 400 families, and we have about three to 4,000 families that call this church home and that give at all different levels on a regular basis. And so that's what we've been doing the last five to eight weeks with all of you is engaging you with Compelled by Grace, getting you praying, you discussing, you talking, you asking questions, and now we're getting down to commitment time, folks. Next week is our Commitment Sunday. You'll see a pledge card in your bulletin today. We're going to explain that to you in a minute, but we're not asking anything of you today. We're asking you to spend one more week praying and talking about it with your spouse if you're married and to come prepared next Sunday as the whole congregation to give your pledge during a very meaningful communion service, to give your pledge uh, for the next three years over and above your regular giving so that Compelled by Grace can become a reality. 
And, and, and as you come next Sunday, it's going to be a normal service, but during our communion time, we're going to give you an opportunity to very privately, between you and God, uh, give your pledge. So if you've already given a pledge, still come next Sunday, because it's going to be a, just a regular worship service, but we're also going to have a commitment portion of it for all of us to give our pledge. If you're thinking about not coming next Sunday, we're going to give you an opportunity on the 17th then to also give your pledge. And uh, Daryl's going to be here that day. So we really, as you'll hear in a second, want all of us to participate in this. Now to explain what we are asking of you specifically today, I want to call up the chairman of our elders, Jeff Goebel. And Jeff is an amazing story in and of himself of redemption, healing, and growth. He moved here with his family in 1972. He's been on our elder board four times for a total of 13 years. He's been the chairman of our board for the last two years. And he and his wife Tracy also serve as the chairpeople of our Compelled by Grace journey and have been responsible for overseeing this entire journey that we've been on. And so Jeff is now going to share with you a few words. So you really got to give it up for this guy because he loves this church. <laughs> Jeff Goble. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. A quick reminder, many of you attended the prayer service that we had, almost a thousand of us here, a little over a month ago to really kick off our Compelled by Grace journey. We're not finished praying. We're going to ask you to pray through the week and next Friday, in, or next Saturday, all day in the chapel, we're going to have everybody available to pray. We'd love you to join us when you do that. But let me just start and say $23.5 million can sound a little daunting, can't it? But let me encourage you, give you some facts, I think, that'll help put this in perspective for you. The first is that uh, we're not, by the way, the only church in America, as you would imagine, that has raised significant dollars over the course of the last 30 or 40 years. What the experts would tell you is that uh, a church with a compelling vision, well-communicated, can generally expect that its people will give over a three-year period about two to three times what the annual giving is to the, to the church on a regular basis. Our regular giving at Scottsdale Bible Church is a little over $10 million. So what this represents is just a little over twice what our, our annual budget would be. So well within that historical pattern. But even more importantly, the people of Scottsdale Bible Church have a long history of generosity and support, as Jamie said, for creating more space when we're out of space to reach new people in our community and around the world. So just 10 years ago, with the Enlarge Our Hearts to Reach the Lot project, we needed $15 million to complete that, and you all, through your generosity and God's leadership, provided every dollar that was necessary, and that was 10 years ago. Now, last but not least, I think the most encouraging part of this is your elders, uh, collectively 12 families, feel significantly about this and have committed between those 12 families $1 million already towards Compelled by Grace. In addition to that, another 240 families, leaders and some of our pastors and staff, have committed $5 million to Compelled by Grace. So to date, we have $6 million committed. That sounds great, but it sounds even better when you understand. We have 3,500 to 4,000 families that give to Scottsdale Bible Church on a regular basis. So to date, 8% of our families have contributed and committed to Compelled by Grace, but the Lord's already raised 25% of the need, and we're very grateful. So I hope you take that as encouragement that your leaders are significantly behind this, and we invite you to join us in this process. Now, if you will pull out your bulletin, inside of it you received a commitment card that we'd give you to take home with you this week and to think through and to pay, pray through. Uh, there's a, by the way, you can peel off the top, you can drop it by the church office, you can put it in the mail to us, or you can join us this next week or the week following for a, a beautiful worship service where we'll also be giving. So just to call your attention to a couple of issues in the upper left-hand side here, if there's a a story of how you become personally compelled by grace in this journey and what God's doing in your heart. We'd love to hear that story in the upper left-hand corner. Down below is self-explanatory regarding, you know, name and information and how much perhaps God is leading you to give. And then in the upper right section, you'll see a table. And the table is an illustration of what a, a group of families like Scottsdale Bible Church has might give and what, what this, the profile might look like to reach $23.5 million dollars. Uh, you'll see that, that uh, the top gift is $2.5 million. We're still open for business for a $2.5 million gift. 
But to encourage you, we have a family who has committed $1 million already and given the money in cash in addition to made the commitment, and two families have committed $500,000. But as exciting as that is, I'm no more proud of that than I am proud of the families that commit the widow's might. I hope we all commit the widow's might. You remember the passage in Luke 21, Jesus is in the temple. He's teaching the disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees are there with him as well. He's been teaching about money earlier in the chapter, uh, in, in the prior chapter, and he gets to this section and he talks about the widow all by herself, elderly, and she's giving, what's she giving? She's giving two coins, pennies in other words. And what does Jesus say about that gift? The smallest gift given that day, he says, that's the biggest gift given that day. Why is that? Because we don't view that way in our world, but Jesus does because he looked inside at her heart, right? So we see giving and we see an amount. God stands and says, but I see your heart. And it is her gift of sacrifice, her love, her worship, her sacrificial gift, that's what was valued by God. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where we as individual families fall in terms of our ability and what sacrifice means for us. Every single person participating, every single gift, no matter what the value, is valuable worship to Jesus as long as we do it from a sacrificial standpoint, amen? Let me tell you a little bit about my journey of my finding sacrifice for, for my family in this. Um, I have the privilege, uh, since I'm chairman, to have breakfast with Jamie most weeks. We were talking last fall about Compelled by Grace, as we would do on a regular basis. And I told him that Trace and I had been praying, and we were very excited that we believed that God was calling us to make the largest gift we'd ever given to a ministry to the Compelled by Grace project. And we were very happy about that. A week or two later, he's talking with me about the concept of not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. And this concept that Jesus teaches in Luke 21 and I went home that night and I said to Tracy, I think we need to pray. Our gift, we might feel as generous. I'm not sure it's sacrificial for us as a family. So over the course of that next week, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And we both realized that the Lord was calling us to give double what we thought we were being called to give. And that that would be appropriate sacrifice for us. And so I had pleasure at one breakfast the next week with Jamie and said, boy, I was wrong. And boy, the Lord has taught me about, through the gift of the widow's might, what sacrificial giving looks like, at least as it is in our family. So what do I ask you to do this week? I ask you to pray. I ask you, you know, in your journey guides, the last tab has a, a great section to go through this week. I'd encourage you to do so. Pray, ponder, think together as a family how you believe God is calling you to be a part of Compelled by Grace, reaching the lost and making disciples one life at a time. And then in addition to that, that lifestyle of grace, well, how he might he call you to play a part in helping to resource this and pray about that. You know, God will cause some of us to give out of income, some to give out of assets, some to give much, some to give little. But if we all consider not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice, the Lord will be able to resource this vision. Thank Jamie. you, Jeff. All right. Praise the Lord. So two, two closing thoughts as you pray and, and consider on your own life. And, you know, this has been the two things we've been praying for behind the scenes. The first is that we really truly are praying for a unified participation in this among those who call Scottsdale Bible Church their home. And that's critical for us folks. The fact that we are moving forward in unity, this is the future of our church. We're compelled by grace, whether we reach 23 million or not, and we are moving forward with these things, whether we reach that or not. But we also know that it's gonna take all of us moving ahead in the future, and that we are asking all families to participate in this. So that's the first thing. But the second thing might free you up somewhat. You know, whenever you do a campaign like this, you tend to talk about big numbers. But, you know, I really meant it when I said to Jeff last fall, this is about equal sacrifice, not equal gifts. So even when I hear of gifts like a 500,000 or a million, believe me, that's not Kim and I. If it was, you should worry because Kim and I do not make the kind of money to be able to give at that level. And so when I think of what Kim and I are giving to this, we're giving the largest single gift pledge that we've ever given to a church or a ministry in this. But number-wise, which I won't share what that is because that would be a distraction to you, but number-wise, it's a more normative number. It's a stretch for us, but, but it's small compared to the goal. But if we all give, then we know we're going to get where we need to get. 
And, and so really what we're asking you to do is just within how God has blessed you, ask him what you would do to participate in this and to think sacrificial. So I was deeply moved by a gal on the way in. This true story, I walked in this morning at 7.30, gal was sitting in the back there, the same gal I usually chat, chat with, and she said, all right, and she's kind of a boisterous guy. She said, all right, I, I know what I'm doing. And I said, for what? She said, for compelled by grace. And I said, what? She said, I canceled cable this week. And I said, you what? She said, you know, I spent $2,000 a year on cable, and most of it's garbage, and I don't need it. And so I just figured for three years, I'm giving up cable. And I got to tell you, I was so touched by that. I'm not doing it, but I was so touched by that. <laughs> And I thought to myself, I got other kinds of sacrifice. And I thought to myself, you know, what a beautiful thing. And, I, and bless her, that's the kind of thinking that we're asking uh, for from people. So in your journey guide, there's lots of examples like that. You can tell stories among each other. But this is totally between you and God. Next Sunday when we participate in this, this is between you and God. And so we just ask you to pray about what he would have you to do. You might have noticed lastly in our bulletin that Daryl Delhousse wrote something special to us this week. I, I know how some of you think. You're thinking, you asked Daryl to write that, didn't you? No, I didn't. I didn't. Daryl called me on a Tuesday and said, you haven't asked me for a letter to promote Compelled by Grace. And I said, I, I wouldn't have done that. And he said, I want to write something. I said, well, send it to me. And this is what he sent me. He says, the privilege of pastoring Scottsdale Bible Church for so many years has left me with the deepest desire in my soul to see it continue to thrive and be used of God to reach out to our community and bring many more people to faith and growth in Jesus Christ. When Pastor Jamie shared with me the vision and plans for the future of the church, I shared with him that I could not be more supportive and thrilled with the possibilities that the new refurbishing of the campus will provide. Holly and I will be giving toward the project and encourage all who call Scottsdale Bible Church their home to do the same. We're really unified in this, folks. But we've seen God provide in amazing, if not miraculous, ways so far. We trust him to do that as well. We trust him to work through you. Why don't you bow with me and let's pray as we close our service and cactus and venue as well. Father, I thank you that uh, you are a God of all provision. Lord, as you know, I can finally remember back in 2009 when things collapsed here in our economy and individuals would come to me with a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and saying, how am I going to get through this? That, Lord, I reminded every one of them that you, God, are a God of provision and that you provide for your people. Not a sparrow falls to the ground outside of your will. Every hair on our head is numbered. And, Lord, that's the same for the church. And so, Lord, we know you provide for your church, and I pray, God, that as we band together as the body of Christ, those who love this church and call this church home, God, I pray you'd work individually in each of our minds and hearts as to what you would have us do here, and that we would come prepared, Lord, next week or maybe this week before that to, uh, to declare our pledge. God, thank you for the blessings you've given us. It's no secret that we're blessed greatly as a people in this country and even a people in this particular part of this country. And so I pray, God, that as we uh, dig deep and ask what you would have us do, that you might be honored and that you might be glorified. And Lord, may we continue to hear stories of redemption and healing and growth, all by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name, and we all say together, amen. amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.